Recession talk. We're finally here. I say finally because I started talking about this. I think I did an episode back in February or sometime earlier in the year. And I've been meaning to get around to it, but things have just been getting in the way. But I feel like we're in recession now. Well, technically or not technically, US are in a not recession. I'm going to talk about that in this episode. I feel like personally what I'm living in through as a business person in Melbourne right now is that everyone's got used to this, you know, interest rates going up, but we haven't really felt the effects of it yet. Generally, you're talking six to nine months from when the interest rates start going up to when the economy starts properly shitting the bed. So I'm going to talk about the effects of that and the the effects of recession on the property market and the property market in the next three or four years, you're going to want to hang around for that because I think the property market's going to go up 50 to 100%. Let's get into today's episode because I've got a bit to go through. Welcome to the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we get you up to speed with what's going on so you can make sound decisions when it comes to your financial life. Now, let's get started on today's topic. The first thing I want to touch on with regards to recession is that I believe we're going to go into recession, not just because the economy is weak. Everyone knows that I think the economy has been weak for actually quite a long time. I think the main factor that's going to push us into recession is the fact that interest rates are going up so hot high and it's not the fact that they're high because they're not really high it's the rate of change that's important if you look at it on a graph it's the steepness of the curve if we had have had interest rates go up by whatever it's gone up by 1.85 over a year's time i would probably not bat an eyelid i would probably go well that's not too bad i would probably think that's actually a bit quick but Anyway, let's put that aside. What I want to get onto is just to explain why it's going up so quick because um, it's hard for people to understand, oh, what the hell is actually going on here? So it's going up really quick because we have inflation that is going up really quick. And inflation is scary because it can get into a loophole where prices just keep going up faster and faster and faster. And why that's really bad is that Basically, the bottom 30 to 50% of the market, depending on how bad the inflation is, I guess, but the guys at the bottom suffer first is what I'm trying to say. And what generally happens is if they start suffering, it pushes them out of the market, meaning they stop buying stuff. And then it's the next level of people that suffer more and then they get pushed out of the market. And that's the way things keep on happening. Basically, it trashes the economy so what the government and the, the central banks are trying to do is increase our interest rates so that we stop spending money on stuff and that will decrease the demand for stuff and therefore it will decrease the price of things, which will mean that the inflation is reversing. So what I want to say about that, I want to say a couple of things first. I don't think it's going to have the effect the government think it's going to have. Why? Because... Let's look at the supply side of things. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode where just because you put interest rates up, it doesn't mean people have to buy less petrol or spend less on energy or spend less on whatever goods that are getting put on a ship and coming here from China or somewhere else in the world. 
those things are going to go down based on their own factors, not just because the Australian government put up interest rates and people are buying less fuel. Um, as I said, people aren't going to buy less fuel because they still have to travel. So one side of me is sitting there going, well, it's not even going to work for that stuff. But the other side of stuff is, well, it is going to work for certain things. People are going to spend less on certain things. So let me just clarify this. The interest rates have doubled for a lot of people. The home loan, the mortgage is the highest household expense for people that have got a mortgage. We've literally just doubled that in four months. So that means for a lot of families, they're going to have to cut down on their spending. Now they can't control fuel. They can't control energy unless they just don't turn the lights on and don't use the internet. But there are certain things they can control. So they're going to cut down on retail spending. So spending at the shops, spending at cafes. Um, I don't know how many of you eat out, but I eat out probably too much. And a basic meal is costing me $25 now. I had a Nando's meal, not a Nando's meal. I had a grilled, I had a grilled burger and fries, 25 bucks. People are just going to stop spending money eventually. So what I want to get on there is, well, if people stop spending money, then people stop getting employed. And I think it should be pretty easy for you to understand, well, if people aren't getting employed, that's not good. I want to change tack here and just go to the US economy for a bit. Now, I want you to stay with me here because we look to the US economy because the US economy is the world's currency. 70 or 80% of the world's trade is done in the US dollar. So what I want to touch on is the US economy has just changed the term of what recession is, which is crazy, eh? Like the actual term of recession is two quarters of negative GDP. GDP is just the total of what we spend as a nation. They've changed it to, if you look it up on Wikipedia, let's have a look here, a significant decline in economic activity. Now, there's another sentence that goes on below that, but basically says the similar thing. So the point I'm trying to make here is you, the US have changed the term from something that's very definable into something that's not very definable. Now, the reason why they're saying it's not a recession is part of that change definition, they can get away and say, well, the, un the unemployment is at all-time highs. And that's the same here as in Australia. Our government is spruiking that the economy is strong because of all-time high unemployment. No one seems to be admitting that printing 30% of your money supply is going to create a lot of economic activity in the short term, which means increased jobs. Now, that's what we did in the COVID times. We just printed 30% of our money supply. That's going to cause some problems later on. Combined with that, if you want to look at the jobs situation, our infrastructure spending is up about 300% from the last five years. And it was at record highs then. So the point is, there's a lot of jobs which is based on government spending, but the government can't keep spending more than what they earn. This is the point. The more federal governments need to spend, it just means they'll continue to contribute to the weakening efficiency of the economy. They get the short-term stimulus gain, but totally ignore that it's a band-aid on a gaping wound. So before I go on what that means from here on in, I want to go back and tease out the whole US trying to tell everyone they're not in recession thing. 
this has caused a bit of talk in the media, but not really. It's it's just not on the radar. No one is commenting on how dangerous this is, and I want to take the opportunity. Changing the meaning of shit is going to bring out the worst in humans. Like, what's next? Like, where, where do you draw the line? What's next? Are we, in five years' time, are we going to be North Koreans pretending that everything's great? I don't know. And you could tell me, Will, that's preposterous. But if I'd have gone back to 2017 and then told you about what was going to happen the next five years, you would have said, Will, that's preposterous. Preposterous. Can't even say the word. The point I'm trying to make is this is wrong. And mark my words, it's a trend and we're going to see more of it. I touched on it being a trend and the on these things being trends in the last episode. And I just want to comment a little bit on it. And I'll take one example of what we saw last year, which was Canada with their progressive government. You know, we're all nice. We're the people's friends. And then they just decided to call these truckies terrorists. And anyone that supported them, anyone that's donated money to their cause can now have their bank account shut down because they're supporting the terrorists. Now, the bit I want to add to that is They changed the rule in the law, which I believe we've got similar laws in terms of calling people terrorists, where there's no investigation. The government can just do it. So all of a sudden, they called these truck drivers, meaning normal family people with kids and families, were labeled terrorists. These sorts of things, to me, are indications of the trend of how bad our governments are getting at managing the people. And they're just not managing it for us. They're managing it for them and their rich mates. And if that's not clear to you yet, just wait longer because this is a trend and the trend's been going for quite a while now and things are going to get worse. And I want to put it out there that changing the meaning of shit is a sign that we're entering into the final phase of this horrible period of humanity. I'm going to stop it there with uh, with the doomsday talk because... I'll start getting conspiracy theorist followers and I don't want that. I just want to keep it more real. So let's move into the property market because we all love the property market here in Australia. We think the property market is the economy. So let's have a chat about that. So the Reserve Bank has said it's going to continue to hike rates to fight inflation. Actually, the American Federal Reserve had their meeting yesterday and they confirmed that they're going to keep hiking rates so long as inflation looks higher. I think that narrative is going to change once people stop pretending how strong our economy is. Just to repeat, we're pretending how how strong our economy is because our, our government printed a whole heap of money with, with, the, with our central banks, printed a whole heap of money, and then it went to our, through our economy and heaps of people got employed out of that. Now, to say we're not in a recession because heaps of people are employed, to me, just seems silly because if you printed that money once, the money doesn't circulate around the economy forever. It actually disappears out of the economy as in it stops circulating through the economy after a period of time. I just think it's going to stop circulating out of our economy very soon and the data is going to show it. Now, in the past, our government in Australia used to use this lie of having strong property prices as a correlation with the strong economy. But let's be honest, everyone is on the same page now. We know that's total bullshit. Like, we just know, for us who have property now, we are the lucky ones, and the whole system is geared towards supporting us and not 
basically anyone 30 and under. Let's be honest, it's it's a cooked system. Let me explain what I think is going to happen with the property market in the next three or four years. And I put a video out on YouTube through my mortgage broking business about this. I think property is going to go up a large amount, 50 to 100% in the next three or four years. So I'm just going to touch on one or two things here. The government have gone hardcore on first homeowner grants and schemes since the, co since the COVID period started. Let me touch on the NHFIC, which is just a government organization that controls all these grants and schemes. From 2020 to 2020, I think it must have been the end of the start of this year, so two years, actually it was two and a half years, um, the NHFIC put out 35,000 spots for first homeowners for these. Um, most of them was a scheme called the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme, which is now called the First Home Guarantee. All of these terms are incredibly confusing and there's a lot of them, but just roll with me here. Just focus on the numbers. So two and a half years, 35,000 spots. In, I think it was this year's budget, 2022 budget, they come out and said, we want in this next financial year to get 50,000 spots on these schemes. F effectively, they're increasing the rate of new home buyers into the market by a massive amount. Like it might be double what it was before. I, I don't know. I haven't done the numbers, but it is a lot. Now, what you also have to do is add on to this, the, the co-buyer schemes. So Elbow got into government by spruiking this 40% government co-buyer scheme where the government by, in Elbow's case, it was 40% of that house. So if you can only afford a $600,000 loan, you can technically buy a million dollar house because the government will buy 40% of it. Now, to me, that reeks of communism. And again, you look at the long-term trends of things and you think, oh shit, <laughs> like this isn't going to end well. What I want to say about that is that it hasn't come in yet, but New South Wales have announced one and the Victorian government have also got one um, that's for 25%. So you can't tell me that property prices aren't going to increase. Let me go back and explain how the first homeowner grant boosted house prices. The first homeowner grant, let's say you get $10,000, which is generally what it's been for, for buying your first home. What a lot of people don't understand is that it's not just $10,000 extra that the borrower can pay extra for the property. The borrower can lever against that $10,000. So it's like a deposit. If you have a $10,000 deposit, you can borrow, let's say, 10 times against that. So you can actually pay hundred grand more for a property. That has been one of the major influences of property prices over the last 20 odd years that people don't get. This is just the same thing. It's just souped up. So that is one of the main reasons why I see property prices escalating the future. And you want to add shortages to that, things like builders going under to that, which will create more shortages. Um, it is a recipe for disaster. If you don't own a house, that is. But great if you do own property. What I think in terms of the interest rates, because that's, we're talking about a recession here. So rising interest rates are a big contribution to what causes recession. 
Personally, I believe rates will have to start coming down even as early as this year. And keep in mind that we're mid-August now and governments are saying they're going to keep on increasing them. I kind of feel a bit conflicted there, to be honest. But what I feel like is there will be a point in time when governments say, we're doing this thing and now we're doing another thing. And central banks, if you've listened to this, central banks are masters at doing this. And what I feel like is going to happen is that we're going to have a stock market capitulation. So you have to remember that central banks, right, they're still raising their interest rates. This means that debt repayments will remain higher here. And I think that weak businesses may stand a chance of being exposed. This means I still think there's an elevated chance that we have a stock market sell-off. That will provide the chance for central banks to say, oh shit, employment's going to go down. This is going to create a spiral. Potentially you'll hear the words deflation starting to get thrown around. Maybe that comes a little bit later. What I'm trying to say is they're going to have to reverse interest rates back to where they were in the recent past and that will herald the beginning of the next property boom. Just to sum it up, short term, I don't know with the property market, it's actually showing a lot of resilience. As I said at the top of the show, I think the worst has yet to be seen in the economy. I think the stock market's still going to crap itself. I think we haven't seen the low of the property market, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as what people thought, including myself, a few months ago. I think potentially we're only looking at 5 or 10% down from here. It's very hard to tell. And that depends on how long the central banks want to cling to higher increased rates. Only time will tell there. I want to touch on one other thing, and that is what about crypto? Now, I haven't spoken about crypto previously on this podcast. And to be honest, I've felt like people will judge me a little bit for talking about crypto. And I haven't talked about this you know, in terms of my clients and my business and and anything else. So I'm going to start talking about crypto now because it is important. And I always talk about diversification and crypto is a part of diversification for me. Again, this show is not financial advice. I'm just saying what I do and what I feel. So the reason why I purchased Bitcoin in 2020 was that I could understand how the money system worked. So just to step back a little bit, so you've got context. When I left working for the bank in 2010, end of 2010, I made an admission for myself to understand what my clients wanted, and that was the property market. Everyone wants to know about the property market, right? I got to a level of, I felt, knowing more than 99% of people about the property market, probably by about 2016, 2017. And then the next step for me was, well, the only way I can understand more about the property market is if I understand how money works. And unfortunately, that means I have to understand about the way the money system works and the global economy because they're all linked in. And what I saw was a money system that is actually broken. And how I mean by broken is that Well, it's still working, but it's not working for everyone. And eventually it will have to change because it will break down for um, the little people like um, me and everyone I know. So I naturally saw Bitcoin as an alternative for, for millennials. So I'm the oldest of the millennials for younger people to say, 
hey, this is our chance. The rest of the system's fucked because we don't have houses, um, you know, and even if we do, our home loans are so massive that we don't have a chance of getting ahead. And this new technology is just a way out for people. So the longer this money system goes on for, the more people are going to say, no, we want the Bitcoin. That's the reason I put the money into it as a diversification. It's done well for me over a long period of time, not even that long, two and a bit years. But for me, it's a great diversification factor. How individually someone wants to weight that as a part of their wealth is is up to them. But I'm a big believer that the way our money system works has made us see value in things that may potentially not be as valuable as what we think. That probably doesn't sound very smart, but what I want to say is that it's hard for me to explain the macro to people, and the macro is how the world works, and that's what I try to to communicate to people um, through the show as my personal economy. But understanding how it works is important because this world's getting a bit chaotic, let's be honest. Understanding the broader things helps me to understand how the world works and it gives me a bit of order in all the chaos. So that order allows me to place my chips and invest for the future. So if it's you, if it's yourself, it might be retirement, it might be your family, it might be your business or whatever. I think we're nearly in for time for Bitcoin's ascent. Again, I believe that Bitcoin's ascent at the moment is based on the global economy. So this is why I'm touching on it. I think we're all tied in. And I think what you'll find is that once interest rates stop rising, I believe it won't be that long before they'll they'll start coming back down again. And at some point in time, you'll see things like QE or there'll be money printing and it will be disguised in some shape or form. I think when that happens, for me, it's going to be a signal to pile back into it or just increase my allocation. And I feel like that situation is not far away. Maybe we're 12 months away from that, but I'm putting that on the table now. I think I'm going to leave it there for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you've got any questions, if you want me to dig into um, the world of crypto or the digital world a bit more, I've been doing that a lot the last couple of years. And I think we are going to move that way, whether we like it or not whether that's in the form of a free sort of money like Bitcoin or as in in a controlled sort of money like a central bank digital currency. I believe that's the way we're going. Which one of those paths we choose? Who knows? As I always say, time will tell. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.